Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Jaunty Jeopardy Jinx Solution. We all find ourselves in trouble from time to time. Why not carry a handy helper that can jostle your way out of any jam? With a patented drill, saw, file, scraper, or Minerva's Jaunty Jeopardy Jinx Solution, you can free yourself from any flim-flam. Drill out of any dilemma. With Minerva's Jaunty Jeopardy Jinx Solution, there's no such thing as a tight spot. Now comes with a handy carrying case. As this thing ain't fitting in any pocket. File your way to freedom with Minerva's Jaunty Jeopardy Jinx Solution. Save your regrets for tomorrow. Teddy Duncan stood in the Duncan's Union headquarters, overlooking the sunken district of the Styx. The working-class neighborhood under the Lethe River, a gray late morning with a clear view out his window to the rail lines and steam cranes on the docks. Seagulls circling, the boat nets hauled with giant hooks, hoists pulling crates onto train car platforms roped down for the journey to the warehouse. Foreman's shouts to crews echoed over the rooftops with leaky water towers and the odd pigeon coop. Teddy and Remy Duncan had set up in the attic of an old brick tannery house, a large room that took up almost the whole floor, a hefty safe in the corner, a single arched window large enough to step through out onto the roof terrace, propped open with a stick to let in the sounds and smells of the neighborhood. Teddy used his boot to straighten the corner of the faded rug between the two desks. It was on that rug that people stood and sometimes knelt, hat in hand to ask for favors, beg for second chances. A lot of shoes with holes on that rug. Some sweat. Some tears. And even some blood. And as drafty as the attic was, the only warmth came from a tea warmer between the two desks. Remy was a coffee man, but Teddy loved his builder's tea. Six pots a day, seven if it was a late one. Teddy pulled his chair back and tucked into his favorite breakfast of treacle pie. Its sweetness, the baker said, was pulled from the secret treacle well outside the city in the wilds. He would have one sent up once a week, still warm. On mornings, he knew he would be alone and could ponder quietly to himself. Remy spent many nights at the underground fights or running tables at the all-night casinos and would wander in later in the day to ledger the evening's counts or take collections. He liked his sausages for breakfast and ate two or three with black chicory coffee. Teddy sipped his tea from a ceramic flagon, ate half a pie wedge at a time, picking it up with his hands. If you'd like to make your own treacle pie, I suggest you do the following. Make your favorite pie crust. The mixed treacle... Melted butter, 
Dark brown sugar, eggs, heavy cream, flour, vanilla extract, and salt all together. And whisk until smooth. Pour the treacle filling into the pie crust. Place the pie into the oven. And bake for long enough to play about... Mm, nine hands of carbs. Or until the crust is golden brown. Remove the pie and let it cool. Else you'll get your fingers slammed in a door. Then once cooled, share with your brothers. Or eat it all yourself with a nice mug of tea. Teddy wiped crumbs from his face, got his mitts under the next big section of pie, was just about to devour it when the four knock-coated knock came at the door. One of his captains had something. They wouldn't use four knocks if it wasn't important. It would need to be to interrupt Teddy's morning. He sighed, set down the pie, and opened the door a crack. A young Minerva Solution starling had been picked up on the Charnel Bridge, mucking about with one of the newsies. This was a clear violation of the rules ever since the barricades went up. Teddy asked for a moment, but Maud Minerva's face pressed into the crack, and now she was standing face to face with Teddy Duncan, crumbs and all. He brought her in the room, had her stand on the rug, and gestured for his union boys to hit the street. Now I know all the starlings know the rules. Your bosses, those sisters, acknowledged them and warned you all. So what are you doing on my bridge? Maud was silent, her hat in her hands. She shrugged. She'd heard the stories about the Duncan brothers, how dangerous they were. She was in way over her head and thought it best to stay quiet. That's a fine bone shaker you've got there. They don't skimp. Only the shiniest for the Starling delivery girls. I'm guessing the penny farthings don't go fast enough for your deliveries. You don't seem like the usual type, though. Something's a bit different about you. Most dem girls be talking my head off by now, making excuses or some such. Do I frighten you? Why are so many of our solutions in piles on the street? Why are you doing this? Why do you hate Minervas? You think those solutions make things better? You think some mother down here needs some no-shaper rather than food or medicine? The knock came at the door again. I'm not to be disturbed. You sit quiet over there. Teddy went out into the hall, looked over the rail and saw a bright pink dress and blonde hair at the very bottom of the windy staircase. He knew her immediately. Temperance Fulcrum was standing in his lobby. Bloody hell, what a morning. He waved at his boys to bring her up. Teddy returned to the room, turned to Maud, quickly motioned her to a chair in the corner and put a finger to his lips for her to keep quiet. Teddy pulled the stick out of the window and closed it. And as he turned, the muddy face of the newsboy Shiner pressed against the glass in the corner, trying to catch Maud's attention. He was still dripping wet from the river. He ducked out of the way as Teddy turned, leaving muddy handprints on the glass and a confused pigeon staring at Teddy. Teddy smoothed his hair and put his bowler hat on, stuck the treacle pie in a drawer and pulled out an extra teacup that was relatively clean. He tugged his waistcoat, sat in his chair, propped his feet on the desk and lit a fresh cigar. The knock came again, poor knocks. All right, Teddy yelled. The door opened, revealing temperance fulcrum standing confidently in the doorway in a pink debutante dress she'd worn for dignitary occasions, 
silk shoes, and her arms filled with a bundle of brown-wrapped paper holding two dozen long-stemmed pink roses. Miss Fulcrum! Teddy rose and met her at the door and looked out into the hallway. Is your father with you? No. Your mother? No. Teddy seemed confused. Well, come in. He motioned for her inside and closed the door. Would you like some tea? No, thank you, Mr. Duncan. Very pretty roses. They match your dress. Are those for me? Yes, Mr. Duncan, in fact, they are. I'll have to find some place suitable for him. Not sure I've received flowers before, except maybe from a widow. No pink roses from a baron's daughter, that's for sure. You have me at a loss, Miss Fulcrum. What is the daughter of Cesar and the Salt Baron doing on my doorstep in the morning during a blockade? Did your father sent you to negotiate peace? A work stoppage? Or maybe does he want me to take you under my wing and teach you some hard life lessons? Temperance didn't flinch. Precisely, Mr. Duncan. I'm here to put an end to the embargo. Clear the blockades. Maud shifted in the corner and Temperance finally noticed her. Don't mind the starling. She's just by for some tea and pie before she makes a delivery uptown. Temperance looked her up and down and quickly returned to Teddy. The barons can't cross the river, but no one is going to stop me. Consider me an emissary. I want to start negotiations. What's it going to take to end the blockade? Teddy chuckled to himself. <laughs> Needle raids, Minerva's selendrot, rattletrap killings, and your father wants to push us out and take over control of the Union so we can get everything and pay nothing. And you come prancing down here to ask me what I want to end the embargo? Ooh, I'll hand it to you. You got real sand in those blue eyes of yours. No other Park Road princesses have the stones to come down here face to face with me. Your papa need respect that. You can leave here no danger. Temperance are high enough. There ain't no leverage I don't already have. I have the workers. One little princess ain't gonna make Cesarin let go. Oh, I bet he loves this salt a mite more than you. But you are a special one for sure. I'm very serious, Mr. Duncan. You can deal with me directly. You know why I talk so funny, little girl? You see, I spent my younger days on the docks, hanging with the longshoremen and the fishermen, and you sort of have to sound a mite like them to make them trust you, especially if you're going to run their union. My brother Remy, he spent his time throwing bones and running games with the card players, so he has sort of a ratty nasal sound when he patters at you. And Lenny... Well, Lenny never stopped growing. Might more than eight feet at this time. So Aziz only needs a grunt or two to get his point across. The boy loves his beans, I'll tell ya. And you, little temperance. Fine young lady you are. I can hear in your voice you spent your days around snobbish tutors and fine crystal echoing that voice to make it think that every little thought and whimper was just made o' money. And everyone should stop and listen and little Rennie Fulcrum... That cloud of importance wafts away when you cross that bridge, your ladyship. That pink perfume blows away with a strong breeze from the water. <laughs> oh, you don't need to narrow your eyes at me. Mr. Duncan, you know I'm feeling generous this morning. And since I just want to get back to my tea and my treacle and some quiet, 
I'm going to give you a free pass back to old Uptown there. Nice to meet ya. See you at the Summer Cotillion. You can tell old daddy Fulcrum you stared down Teddy Duncan and didn't flinch. I'm sure he'll be a proud papa. And I'll put those roses all out front so everyone can see you've been by. You get what you want, and I can have a little quiet before the coming storm, you see. Temperance looked at Maud. What about the starling? Oh, she broke the rules, you see. We gotta have a chat first. The Minervas are a mite more ruthless than even your pop. If they had one of me, boys, I don't think they'd make it back whole if you catch me drift. Old Teddy Duncan ain't the monster you heard stories about. Not to little girls, anywho. Far enough monsters and Celine for that. You hear about them sleepwalkers? Maud saw Shiner's face in the window. He'd opened it enough to slip his head through and was motioning for her to make a break for it. Teddy turned to see him in the window. What? Shiner? What are you doing here, boy? Temperance seized her moment. As Teddy was distracted, she pulled apart the brown paper wrapping. The two dozen long pink roses tumbled to the floor, revealing her father's fencing rapier, hidden within the stems. She grabbed the heavy handle, planted her back foot, and scooped her leg forward for a fencing lunge, just as her lessons had taught her. The rapier was heavy, its tip dipped low towards the rug until Temperance could get her strength under it and lunge for Teddy's throat. Temperance had meditated long in her room under the flicker of candles, a thin stream of incense following her induction into the alchemist's society. The goddess Isis was a powerful chamber of the alchemists, and her ascension in the daughters would lead to great things. She would need to prove herself by doing something no one would expect, something no one else had the courage to do. The sacrifice would be Teddy Duncan's head. She would place it on the altar of Isis. She would end the embargo and break the unions, hand over the sticks to her father, and secure her place by his side. She woke early, dressed herself, slipped into the study and took the rapier off the wall, wrapped it in roses and paper, had the driver take her down to the edge of the Charnel Bridge, and then walked over the rest of the way to arrive at Duncan's headquarters. Teddy whipped around just in time to see the blade coming at him. Gah! It flayed his cheek open effortlessly, but avoided the neck artery that Temperance was aiming for. The blade dipped to the floor from the heft, and Temperance recovered quickly for another strike. Teddy fell against his desk, pressing his palm against his cheek as blood spilled on his face. Willie! He shouted in his captain's barge into the room. Temperance turned to face him with the point of her blade. I'm taking his head and yours too if I have to. Shiner pushed open the window and tried to get Maud to make a run for it. She went to the window but hesitated. I need my bicycle. After a heavy swing to keep the men at bay, Teddy Bear hugged Temperance and wrestled the sword away from her. The men grabbed Maud and pulled Shiner into the room. Teddy dug into his pocket for his handkerchief and pressed it into the deep cut of his cheek. He spoke with gritted teeth. Temperance Fulcrum, assassin. Not nearly the first attempt of my life, little one, but surely one of the most cunning. Ain't no way your daddy sent you to kill me. You Fulcrums. I will have your head, Teddy Duncan. Mark my words. I will eat my dinner with you watching me feast on your liver. Throw them in the oubliette until we can get this thing sorted out. Send a runner for Lenny, and we're going to need some tea leaves red. Somebody bring me old lady Dyer. So much for my pie. Obliette has such a nice ring to it. Who would think that such a lovely word would represent such a dark thing? A forgotten chamber, 
a teardrop-shaped dungeon room whose only entrance is a small opening at the top. A room to cast off lost objects to never think of them again. The Duncans just happened to have such a room. Under the old tannery house, some dark soul had built an oubliette, just above the sewers with a small opening in the basement. The Duncan boys threw Maud, Shiner, and Temperance into the stone hole. Maud's satchel and the rapier tumbled down after them. Teddy couldn't chance any of it being seen until he had a plan or an explanation. He needed to deny they were here before there was a full-born assault on the sticks. The three children sat quietly in the dark, till there were no more footsteps above. Are you two is all right? Thanks for rescuing me, Shiner. I can't go back without my bike. If a starling loses their satchel or bicycle, they're stripped of their wings. I can sort of get a grip with my feet here. Let me see if I can climb up and open that grate. It's too far, said Temperance. Why are you trying to kill Teddy Duncan? Maud asked. You wouldn't understand. I wanted to put an end to this pathetic blockade. But why you? I'm to be the daughter of the goddess Isis. She demands a heavy sacrifice. She came to me in a vision. And Teddy Duncan's head will be that sacrifice. You're right. I don't understand. I had a dream like that once, but it was a dog with the head of a lady, and she told me that I had to feed her peas and mash. She was a happy dog, though, big old tongue, and just kept eating them peas. Hmm, not sure. Wait a moment. Ugh, I can't reach it. Oh, but wait. This, this stone is a little loose, I think. I think I can shift it. Wait, hand me my satchel. Thanks. Wait, let me see. I think, yep. Try this. Minerva's Jaunty Jeopardy Jinx Solution. Sort of an all-purpose drill file saw to get you out of any jam. You always talk like that. Like what? Here, Shiner. Hey, yep, got it. Help me pull the stone out. This smell is rank. That's the sewer. Leads into the muck, I think. How does the vices first? Or wouldn't I understand? Okay, grubby newsboy. Which way now? Follow the water. It should flow to the river or into the muck. Either way. The muck. Perfect. It's too dark down here. I can't see a thing. Oh, I have something. Wait. Minerva's illumination slippers. See? I can just point the light around with my toes. So glad I had these. Save your regrets for tomorrow. That's the one time you get to say that. One. You're not a very nice person, Temperance. Oh, Temperance, her friends call her Rennie. She's known for being not so nice. She's rich, though, but I know that Maisie likes her. And if Maisie likes her, then you're then she's all right by me. I can't drag this sword around with me. Some of my sleeve ripped. Let me rip it the rest of the way, and then I can tie it around my back. Let's head this way, to where it crosses both ways and... Did you see that? There, there, I see it too. Shine the light over there. Point your toe over there. Yes, there. See it? In the muck. Over there. It's a blackworm parasite. Lazy warned me about those. They get inside you and make you do crazy things. It looks like it's sniffing the air. It can't see us, can it? I don't think they can see. There's another one. One behind us. Run! This way, down the tunnel! Wait, over there! There's more of them! Quick, it looks like there's an antechamber. Maybe we can find a way up. The water's too deep. The light is fading. I can't light the way. 
Wait, hold still. Do you hear something? Hello, hello, hello. What have we here? Three little piggies come into my lair. I can't see anything. Except there. See those pale, glowing eyes? Something slithering around in the dark. We were just leaving. Oh, I don't think so. Come into my light. That's better. Now I can get a good look at you. You're Shiner, a newsboy from the park. And ooh, you're Maud Minerva. And you, Granny Fulcrum. How do you know my name? I know everything down here. You don't recognize me? Don't let my black dress and all the slithering black worms fool you. Look at my blonde hair. Look deep into my blue eyes. No. Miss me, sis? Fanny? That's right. Welcome to my little kingdom. We have everything you ever want right here. Anything in all of Celine is at my fingertips. Fanny, I thought you'd run off. Father said you ran out of town with some older man. What are you doing down here in the muck? Why do you look like that? Renny, I can go anywhere. See, do anything. I'm Fanny Fulcrum and the queen of the muck. Mother to the black worms. Why would I ever want to leave? Maisie warned me about this. I didn't believe her. Want someone thrown into the workhouse? I can send a worm to Needle Street. Want confections or quail? I can have bakers and butchers deliver it right to my waiting hands. They're all under my control. Everyone of Celine, the command of Fanny Fulcrum and my little ones. Want some fancy cakes or jewels? Do you like my little crown? I spotted it at a shop and just broke the glass and took it. And then the black worm left that fool on the sidewalk for the needles. <laughs> How did this happen? Oh, you don't know? Oh, sister, our dear father did this to me. Quite on purpose, in fact. The alchemist created the first black worm parasites and released it in the theater, looking for me at Madame Mustaches. And when I went with green, it slid right in, and after some time in my belly, it grew and fed and then beckoned me down here. And over time, I learned to make them myself and even control them, and then that's when Father started talking to me. Father drives around to an open sewer in silent streets, and he whispers to me. It was his plan all along. You see, Temperance, I am the Rattletrap. We are all the Rattletrap Killer. Anyone I want is. I just make a special worm and send it over to some poor uptown sap and they murder in the special way I want them to and leave all sorts of lovely notes. This was Father's plan, all along. Set up killings uptown, and then pin it on the sticks! He'll be sweeping the sticks clean in no time! Dad did this to you? I did this for Father. I'm the special one. 
He had special plans for me. I'm essential to taking down the Duncans. All I have to do is sit here and kill those ungrateful pests, and the sticks will be no more, and I'll be free to do whatever I like. Poetic, don't you think? The rich killed by one of their own, via the poor! Father's idea, the rattle trap, was my invention. Father has no imagination when it comes to naming things or writing letters. Father would never do such a thing. Cesarin Fulcrum has done much worse. Wise up, little sister. His plans for you are just that. His plans. Maud, Shiner, get out of here. Now, Rennie, I trust you. You never tell a spirit about me down here. And you want the sticks washed up for good as much as I do. But these two, I can't let them leave here. You'll have to get through me. Already did, I'm afraid. While we were chatting, two of my little ones are sliding down their throats as we speak. Can't let word get out about our little plan. But you, no one would believe you. And Father wouldn't let you tell anyone anyway. You're useless and can do no harm. Off you go. Fanny, stop it. Soon as my little fellas take hold, you can leave. There's a ladder right there. It'll take you outside. And I'll be sure that these two don't make a peek. Maybe I'll kill them later. Make them walk off a roof or something when this is all over. You should don't want to stay. Biscuits? No, run. We have to get help. Renny, I have such wonderful dreams. You can't even imagine. Both of you, run! Over there, down that tunnel. There's that ladder. I think I can see a light at the top. Shiner, Maud, climb up, you have to! Temperance, Maud, and Shiner ran down the tunnel and climbed the ladder to the loose manhole cover, taking to the street in the middle of the gathered Duncan gangs. It was almost nightfall. Rennie had been spotted crossing the bridge and word had got to Cesarin. He and Agatha were standing by their car on the uptown side of the bridge. Millie and Maddie Minerva in dark sunglasses under dark umbrellas had noticed Maud missing and were waiting quietly by their car. Brianna, sensing a tense moment, summoned Coulson and drove down with the fulcrums. A line of constables from Needle Street, blackjacks and billy clubs in hand, blocked the way. The bridge filled with debris the sticks through chairs and other items onto the bridge. Temperance pulled the other two children onto the street the blackworm goo making its way through their system. They were pale and shivering, collapsed on their knees in fever. Temperance moved through the gathered gangs to an overturned cart. Maud and Shiner, lips burning, ran to a bucket of water and guzzled mouthfuls as the parasites took hold. Temperance climbed the cart to get a view to look over the bridge. Her father spotted her torn and mucky pink dress and waved a lantern, shouting for her. Temperance, come down from there. Temperance looked at her father, thought about her sister and the running dark waters of the Lethe River below. When they were young, she and her older sister had snuck out at night to the river's edge. Temperance had been punished quite severely, wrapped intensely about the wrists and punished again for crying out. Fanny brought her to the river to show her a secret. Look into the mirror, Rennie, she said, holding up a hand mirror. Look into the mirror and tell it all of your secrets, all of your dark thoughts. Look into the mirror. 
and then cast it into the river. The river will take all of your worries away, Annie told her. The river will make you forget. Temperance, come down here, Cesarin said again. Temperance glanced across the bridge, the gathering on the other side. About the scar she'd gotten at Ludlow, the loss of Iviana, the horrors of the Sada Voce, and the Bridewell house built on its bones. She looked at Maud and Shiner collapsed in fever, overwhelmed by the blackworm parasite. Their eyes rolled back into their heads. She thought of her sister below her feet in the sewers, transformed into that thing by her father. The final rays of dusk as the sky went dark. Look into the river, Temperance. The river will make you forget. Temperance Fulcrum in her torn debutante dress pulled her father's rapier from her back and dipped it into a barrel of kerosene next to the barricade. She held the blade over a torch into the flame looked up from the hilt to the tip and held it aloft while staring down at her father. Don't worry, father. Everything is just hollyhock. Temperance stared at her father across the lithy and plunged the flaming rapier tip into the soaked wood. The barricade burst with fire. She kicked over the kerosene barrel and it poured into the broken chairs and tables and crates in front of her. The yellow flames spilled down to the river and danced on the surface of the water. The fire quickly breathed and heaved through the barricade and down the line of the river bank all along the sticks. The street exploded in smoke and pitch and sulfur, and the wall between the sticks and the rest of Selene a bright ember. The wild sticks residents howled with bent backs as they clamored their butcher knives and picks and shovels as the great pyres and bonfires lit up in sequence all through the sticks in the sunken district, and fuel poured into the water, setting the entire leafy river alight, the sky aglow under the misty green fog, as the guttural howls filled the still night of Selene.
Feeling trapped in the attic? And just as a parasite? Looking for a Lenny Penny? Come bask in the emerald green glow of a strange city lying alone. Join our Patreon for Selena Cleverland, and Minerva might just let you pick her next solution. Join our Patreon, and no one will ever ask you for anything ever again. And again, 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 and again. And again.